Today's guest is head of R&D at 45 Drive, Brett Kelly. From putting together a creator summit launched out in Cape Brenton to being able to launch an entirely new division with 45 Drives called Home Labs, we're redefining in this conversation what it means to be a tech enterprise in today's fast-paced world. So whether you're an entrepreneur or a tech enthusiast or someone who's just curious about the future of data storage and security, this episode is going to be for you. Without further ado, Brett Kelly. Yeah, yeah 45 drives. And uh, I was wondering, I know what it is, but I'd lo- I always love to hear how people in their own words describe what the company is and what they do. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Awesome. Yeah. I've practiced this one a, a bunch of times over the years because it's a pretty, pretty fun story to tell. So I'll start with the summary first, but 45 drives offers enterprise level storage uh, solutions for, well, to be redundant, the enterprise. Um, we focus on doing that with offering open source software, commodity hardware, and uh, we at 45 drives manufacture and build, assemble, test, design all these storage servers here in our facilities here in North America, the East Coast of Canada. And um, we use a collection of open source software worked on by the community around the globe. And uh, we've, we, we've successfully sold and built uh, single server solutions for video editors and, and everywhere all across the world, all the way to massive multi-petabyte clusters for people doing uh, research on, on um, brain imaging, um, uh, LIDAR searching of, of oil and gas and everything like that. So we've we've got a pretty big spectrum of things we'd end up selling. Um, so yeah, that's that's what 45 Drives is, a massive storage server and massive storage clusters. I mean, you know, these things are going to become increasingly important as we begin to move further and further into these tools with large language models and things of that nature, storing data that we want involved, you know, maybe it'll be in the cloud, maybe, but a lot of things are trying to push towards a having it local on device kind of thing, or maybe even on a local server for privacy reasons. Uh, have you heard, have you, have you had any AI industries uh, sort of tap on you uh, in terms yep. of your services and things of that nature? Yep, yep. The AI, the AI world is is buzzing, man. They're they're coming in fast and fast, uh, and they need fast storage, and they need massive amounts of storage. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I kind of missed that in my my quick summary there. But we we are an alternative to the cloud. The cloud is an awesome, convenient way to store your data, and to use, it's useful. But uh, for the reasons that you mentioned, for privacy reasons, and just a general. Where is your data on the cloud? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's very it's growing important for for companies now. They're kind of like the the well, a the price and b the um uh the the uh, I'm blanking right now. The um, convenience that the cloud offers once that kind of wears off a little bit, you're like, oh, geez, I kind of want I, I I'd like to have control over my data again. I'd like to have all that back. So. Um, uh, yeah, so the AI firms they're 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 coming in fast now, and they they love our big clustered solutions. We we power those things for those who are unaware. It's it's called Ceph C E P H. It's uh, an open source software. It's it was built 10, 15 years ago when it got started, and now you'd be hard pressed to find a large cloud data center somewhere where that's not running behind the scenes. So yeah, we offer that great use for. Uh, AI and uh, what an exciting world that is. 
And my God, they have some high, high, high needs, right? High network performance, <laughs> high storage. So they're fun challenges to undertake. Yeah, man. Now, uh, are my notes telling me the truth here? So as head of R&D and a prominent video creator for the firm, you have had a lot of stops on the way over to 45 Drives. Uh, why don't you bring us up to speed on how you became the head of R&D here? What brought you to 45 Drives? Oh, cool, man. Thank you. Good question. Um, so we'll go back to school. I was educated as an electrical engineer. I did uh, I did that at Dalhousie University out in Eastern Canada in Halifax. Um, I got my start in engineering mainly just because I always loved to solve problems. It was the only part of school I liked, math and physics. So everyone was like, we should probably go try that out. But even getting into university, the first... Um, uh, the first year there, you go in and you're like, well, what's an engineer? No one actually really knows what they do. You just you get told you're good at it. So you end up there. But um, I always had a love of, of solving problems that like no matter what the subject matter was, I just loved to solve a puzzle. Right. So that's that's kind of where that started. And even my choice of, of, of going there is like that little anecdote about what is an engineer? What do I want to do? Um, I wanted to a solve problems and I wanted to solve hard problems. And a little bit of ego got mixed in there. And, and I remember when it came time to choose a discipline, everyone was like, Oh, electrical engineering. That's, that's the hard one. And, and I remember thinking, you know what? I have a general idea how, how my car works. Like I, I get the motor. I, I can see it. It makes sense. I have no clue how my cell phone works. I want to know that. So that kind of started that journey into the, like, yeah, I'm going the tech route. I'm doing that. So, um, Going down that road, I always had uh, a talent for being able to understand complicated things and then generalize with analogy and, and, and share with my, my, my coworkers and friends and colleagues then. Um, and my peers in school were so darn smart at some of the subject matter that I was like, I'll never get to them. So <laughs> I quickly realized that uh, uh, my unique talent I could bring was a my under my love of solving puzzles and tech, but also being able to communicate hard, complicated things to people who maybe really didn't understand those hard and complicated things. So uh, I, I I learned all that through school, took that through my my education there at university, entered the workforce in the industrial controls industry, which at the time was interesting enough, but for lack of a better word, boring. Uh, it was a very figured out industry. It was, it was just a little dry. And then, so I did, I did work throughout school with that. I got a job right after school doing some of that. And then talking to some people there, I got some good advice of like, you should probably get out of this industry, man. Like, cause you know, my love of solving puzzles and talking about new fun things and it just what well, it didn't fit. So I went, I went searching. Um, I found the opportunity at 45 drives and, um, I came up and saw what we were doing there. And it was, that was about 10 years ago now that I came here. And uh, when we first started, it was really the birth of the company. It was that very first product design we built. We jumped in. I joined as an R&D team member. I wasn't the first hire, but I was one of the first hires, particularly the first hire in research and development. And then we just grew this thing from there. We, we had one product. We now have a suite of products, everything from a four-base server all the way up to a 60-base server. We have all SSD servers. We have an NVMe-only server coming out. And uh, so the journey went from being a team member, project engineer, to 
okay, now I'm going to learn how to be a manager to now leading the R and D team and, and, and pushing these new initiatives and all these new things we do. So now day to day, I lead our R and D team. I do less and less project work than I ever did before. I grab on the ones as I can, cause I want to stay sharp. Like I said, I still love to solve puzzles and uh, humans are the hardest puzzle. So leading them is fun, but a good technical puzzle really gets you going too. And I'm just lucky. I got an amazing team of talented engineers working, working with us. Uh, we cover everything. We, we do low level electrical PCB design, the firmware development, uh, mechanical metal, um, thermal design, all the way to software and system development of, of the things we give out. So it's, uh, it's been a fun ride here and I uh, can't wait to see where we go next. Yeah, man, that's a, that's an interesting transition, right? When you go from being the person with all the answers to being the person that has to get the answers from your team. Uh, I've read a couple of books and I found one commonality that occurs uh, in terms of that development as a leader is coming into a room and then feeling like you're up against your team because you're so used to being the one that knows everything. Uh, did you run into that early on uh, in your transition to that role? I did. I did. I did a little bit. And it was a real game of practicing that, like, it's not your show anymore, man. Like, you need to let them let them shine. And what was really cool, kind of back to what I said about school is I figured out really quickly that a lot of my peers were better than me at certain stuff. So a lot of the guys I brought in for the team at first, they had these crazy ideas. And then I was like, you know what? That's, that's, that's better. I like that. That's cool. So yeah, I, I that was a little uh, friction at first of the, of that transition. Cause man, that's a story as old as time. You do your job well, then they go, Oh great. Well, you can help everyone else do their job well. And you go, I don't know how to do that. Anyway, it's been a fun journey. And like I said, I I'm lucky, lucky and really, really happy to have the talented team engineers with me that can, push us further because we did some really cool stuff when i was doing a lot of the projects but we're doing way better stuff now that we're a bigger team uh, no i love it man and uh, it's just one of those things that's worth highlighting especially uh some people end up becoming ceo and still have that same you know what i mean mentality yeah. of like pushing up against uh everyone else's development it's such a it's such a fascinating thing that occurs in business and in particular when you're talking about product development things of that nature you know who owns what it's just i'm really grateful that you were open and transparent about that because that just goes to show where you've got your sights set and what you're going to be doing i mean from what i'm seeing in my notes you've gone so far as to and, and let's talk about it you know you've you've got the creator summit uh this past summer right? Uh, in Cape Breton. Uh, yep. and, and you've also decided now you're part of this 45 home lab division that's mm -hmm. launching. So it's not just enterprise anymore. Now you're going to be doing like a, a general consumer having their own NAS or what have you, right? Like at home and things of that nature. You nailed it. Yeah. So uh, part of our whole journey of, of building who this, this company up, we, we, um, uh, found it a very effective, very cost-effective way of marketing was to just naturally grassroots, shoot our own videos, put a bump on YouTube. And we did it at first just because, well, let's try something, right? See how it works. And that was years ago. And then it grew. We've got a, we've, we, we got really good at making them, good production value, good content. And we were really accepted into this whole video uh, creator 
world where where people would look to us and go, no, we like your solutions and we like who you are as a company, but we really like your video content too. That, that stuff's interesting. That's why I bought it. You guys seem fun to work with. So we were like, oh, this is fun. And then so we've ended up like working with some of the the big, big names in the YouTube tech world, like Linus Tech Tips, uh, a guy Tom Lawrence, uh, yeah. Jeff Carling. I watch like, those people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So And so did we. So when we were making videos because, well, we just we're like, that's great way. And like I said, cost effective way to get our, get our messaging out. And when they were jumping on it and wanting to collaborate and work together, it was like, wow, look at us. We're video creators too. So that was really cool and, and, and natural how that kind of happened. And that kind of goes back to the, the comments I made earlier about we, we had this talent of trying to explain things in a fun, exciting way. And I'm not going to lie to you, man storage and it and linux can be explained <laughs> in a very dry way if you go look for some stuff so there was a big opportunity to go out and just have a little fun with it so uh so anyway that was a little bit of a primer so i could answer your question of the the the, the creator summit so what the creator summit was was the first ever collection of of for us because i know we do there's summits all over the place but our first summit of where we had a lot of these creators we had jeff gearling we had uh techno tim stewart we had jeff solheim of craft computing um wendell wilson i won't list everyone off right now because um whatever and they all came up we showed off our our um our facilities, what we're doing. You mentioned we're in Cape Breton, something that we really have pride for is where we're from. Um, we find that's a really another unique thing from us. I mean, uh, some people always tell us that we have slightly funny accents out here on the East coast of Canada. Um, but yeah, Cape Breton, we're, we're right on the edge, right on the Eastern edge of Canada. It's as far East as you can go before you head over to Newfoundland. And it's a wonderful, beautiful place. It's mainly a vacation kind of spot where people come in and visit that way. And it's not a place where you see new growing tech industries. So it, it was really fun to have all these people come down, show them what we're working with, get that validation, have a good com communication about uh, what we're doing, what we could do and everything moving forward. And so from that, this, this, the home lab idea came up and it wasn't from the summit, but like we had the idea coming the summit. It really like crescendoed that weekend. And what the home lab is, is you were exactly right. We're, we're doing enterprise. We are an enterprise company that started a home lab division. Now, why are we doing that? We're doing that because we felt it was really important. Well, first, we see a gap in the market. There's some adequate, fine products out there, uh, the synologies and all that. They work. but. Um, there's just a little, they leave some stuff to be desired. For example, like, do you, if, if I buy a server and it's at my home, I want to do whatever the hell I want to that. I want to take it apart. I want to change it. I want to put different software on it. I own it. We've got this big movement in the world that we don't own anything anymore, even if you pay for it. So we felt that there was a great opportunity for to take our enterprise roots, our big, strong, fast, our solid cold rolled steel metal chassis with, with, our love and design in it and offer that to the home lab because the home lab, we say consumer, we say home lab and you almost think, um, non-professional or whatever, but that's far from the truth. That's where the real fun and innovation happens. The innovators who would maybe want one of these at their home to have a home lab server, 
they're probably working with something like this at work or somewhat adjacent to it. And if you have lucky enough to have the root access keys to your servers at work, you're not allowed to play with those. Boss isn't gonna gonna green light that. So we felt that we if we could take the magic that is working for us in the enterprise world, give it to the to the end users, um, to the consumers that they could have in their home and maintain all those best parts of the enterprise the, and what 45 drives up and offers the openness, the flexibility, the you can do what you want with this. Um, we're like, I think people are going to like this. And uh, there's been an overwhelming amount of positivity from people. We uh, we launched our, our e-store uh, for buying these things uh, just recently last week, and we're going to start shipping the massive amount of pre-orders we've received out next week. So it, it, it moved really fast, and we can't wait to see people get their hands on it. I mean, pre-orders is like, the proof you needed right there. If, if it's, if it's in enough volume, I'm sure you can consider the home labs a success, a hit. So far. Yeah. <laughs> Stage one complete. Stage two, once they get it and they say all these awesome things yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. So, um, I know I'm, I, from my engineering point of view, I'm always just like, I'll succeed when it's over. For the, <laughs> the, sales, the sales and marketing side are like, oh, we did it. <laughs> You're like, it's just getting yeah, started. No, it's just getting started. And I do want to tack on to, like, we released our first product, uh, a 15-bay home lab server. It's rack-mountable, or it could be stood up on a tower. Um, it's it's the, the, the same great enterprise routes that we've uh, used on our regular design. But we're not going to stop there. We have ideas to go smaller. Um, we have ideas to just, just to innovate. We're going to use this as our, like, kind of jumping off playground of trying out new ideas that you can't you can't experiment in the enterprise world it's yeah you can't yeah. so and that's 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 a great serve up for where i was going to go with things because uh from what i had heard uh the one of the previous guests on this show was actually the ceo of uh 45 drives if i'm not mistaken uh, uh doug milburn yep. i think was on the show in the past and uh they had been talking about this, uh, this issue with like legacy enterprise and the way they're operating. And so there was this new term being coined of a, you know, a new enterprise and things of that nature. And would, would this be essentially why home labs is coming into the picture now to sort of support that whole idea of new enterprise? You got it. You got it. So new enterprise is who 45 drives has been from the start, even before we even kind of existed. Right. This concept of new enterprise. And so uh, we, we did coin the term uh, new enterprise. And what we mean by that is uh, it, it's, it's a break from the norm, a paradigm shift, if you will. But we strive to offer all the good parts of the legacy enterprise, uh, the reliability, the performance, the full support behind it. You have an issue called support team. They'll fix it for you. But where that model has fallen apart is that they've almost kind of forgot about the customers a little bit. There's a lot of lock-in. There's a lot of call us for pricing. Um, there's a <laughs> how much does it cost? How much budget do you have? Type of way of selling and operating. The okay, you have it now. It's running. Oh, our business grew. Our plans changed. We need to pivot. Mm, yeah. Well, you need to buy a whole new set of licenses if you want to use it that way. We 
always personally like hated that kind of way of thinking uh doug milburn that you mentioned the the um president of 45 drives and a very entrepreneurial man is he's a guy who wants control right and so that it just fit perfectly for us to say so what new enterprise is to us is we keep all that good the good parts i mentioned the reliability the performance the full support but we also offer the parts that miss we give you flexibility we don't lock you into anything um, and what I mean by flexibility too, is just that, that thing of like reality hits you've, you've happens all the time. Someone buys a, a cluster from us, a storage solution, and it's for this project, but the project gets canceled. They got all the gear. They want to go do something else, but it's a completely different use case. It's just like, okay, well let's, let's do it again. Let's, let's start again. Because the whole point of all this stuff now it's just it's commodity hardware and software defined storage we can configure it to work however you need so we want to make it flexible we don't want to lock you in with a vendor we don't want to say oh we got you for three years you can't go anywhere now now i'd like them to stick around forever but like signing them into a legal contract is that really gonna like make you feel warm and fuzzy so uh and we really just try to offer a modularity of the service we offer not modular as in which modules do i need to buy it's how much of our help do you want do you want to buy a server and do it all yourself go to town give us a call when something inevitably breaks we'll rma the the hard drive and fix that for you or do you want us to work with you engineer your solution kind of white glove support team comes checks on you every week make sure everything's great that way that's what we mean by the modularity. We want to let you pick and choose which service works best for you. You know what I love about that is that just seems like that's how business should be. And yet somehow it's not the way I mean, and I could be, I could be misconstruing the situation only because I'm growing up in this time talking to all these, uh, you know, uh, scrappy and innovative companies. And so it makes sense to me. And I rare, I've had a few experiences, uh, in the past, uh, my work experience working with enterprise and it takes meetings to get to a meeting about a meeting to make a decision. Right. And they treat their customers the same way. And it's so funny because then you talk to some of these more scrappy companies, uh, and they can make a decision on the fly, like today and actually create change then and there. Right. And so it's cool that you as a company are servicing those people who because customer i've seen some scary things even recently on twitter where uh companies like you know you know major companies i won't, I won't throw anybody under the bus but major companies that are just aren't doing customer service anymore you know in any know. way whatsoever not even it's answering crazy. the chat <laughs> i know it's nuts i i recently had to go and get something dealt with with some plane tickets i bought and i was i was uh, you know what i really left the positive side of that that experience i had is like wow I'm really happy that we do choose to do support the way we do. Like anyway, um, but, but you nailed it. it. It does seem obvious a, that like you should run your business this way. So like, maybe it's a little naivete. No, but we really do believe that like it, it we have a set of ethical guidelines that we kind of operate as the company here. And, and on the top of that list, it's customers. Number one, and I know that's cliche. Everyone says customers, number one, but we really do believe that in the way, not of a like, customer's always right. But like, we are here to serve someone. Why a business exists is to, yeah. to provide someone with a useful service so they can go out and then provide a useful service to someone else and the whole machine turns, right? So if you're sitting there and making choices that are easier for you as a business but makes things harder for your customers, what, what are you doing? So that's one of those core 
core tenants we live by. And it's kind of a check because like we'll have meetings all the time internally here where we need to make a process change or some things like that internally. And everyone's like, yeah, let's do it this way because it'll be easier, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually someone will go, yeah, easier for us or easier for the customer. And then we'll kind of sit there and go, damn, okay, never mind. Let's rethink that. Because if the minute you make it hard for them, like you said, I need to have a meeting to have a meeting to find out if my quote's going to work out for me or not, that's, that's just not going to work for anyone. And I think, I think it's working for us because people seem to just keep loving it. They keep coming by and they, and they, and, and yeah. So down in your philosophy, your philosophy is a company and just everything that you're doing so far is I, it's like you said, like, it's kind of like one of those, how for anybody who's not in this space, how are you going to get excited about it? The, the, the way you can look at it really is just consider if you're listening, like how you run your business. Can you say that you can become white glove service, high touch with customer and still make the bottom line of focus, but keeping your integrity and values There's it's a really interesting way to run a business because more often than not, one of the first things that goes out the window is, well, you know what, as long as we're okay, we're going to be fine. And that's mm-hmm. not the case because you, you're bringing back that, that classic, you know, we're here to do something very, if anything, the way B2B should be right. How do we make sure that our customers are going to be doing good and not just enterprise level like like we've been talking about, but now expanding to fit what the world looks like today? Like, you know, like the uh, LTT. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't consider them enterprise. They are massive and huge. Right. But what they do. They make a lot of money and they have the money to spend it. They've got, and they've got problems just like everyone else of those, uh, every one of those, uh, comparable, uh, video makers who show, showcase tech and are working with Linux and things of that nature. And to know that there's a company that has their back 100% that only makes their lives easier, video creators in general, you know, graphic designers on marketing teams, you know, how they access things for scrappier companies that are, aren't they're worried about being locked into whatever you some kind of contract when they don't know what tomorrow looks like they could lose exactly. 10 of their clients tomorrow but now they need to pivot are they really stuck with that what does that look like and other businesses mm-hmm. haven't cared but this kind of leadership as a company in the vertical is awesome and yep. i'm super stoked to hear that and, and with that said let's let's talk about that because i have here snap shield yeah now, this is one further example of you stepping into the leadership role and leading the way with things, especially with ransomware. And mm-hmm. I, again, there are a lot of people who don't even know that's happening on their computers. So why don't you walk me through Snapshot as you see it? Awesome. Great. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. So uh, this is Snapshot's a great um, spotlight on the growth of what 45 Drives is a company, right? We the hardware that now, we're, but we've got the, we keep adding new layers to it. Now we, software application layer on top. But one of the hottest topics of the world, one of the biggest kind of fears people have are just cybersecurity, cyber attacks. What does that mean? So like you said, some people might not even know what ransomware really is. Ransomware is if you get infected by a um, 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 malicious piece of software, what it likes to do is go and find all the files on your local hard drive and any network attached storage server to it and just start encrypting everything. And when I, when it gets encrypted, you can't read those files again. And what you'll get is a big screen that takes over and says, we got your data, send me some cryptocurrencies and I will unlock it for you. And, um, 
it's a scary thing. It's scary for an individual user. It's terrifying for a business because it's game ending. You like because these ransomwares are good too. They're getting good. They're good at they're grabbing your backup. Not everyone has proper IT. Um, uh, safety as in like do you have snapshots oh, do you yeah. have backups do you have <laughs> copies of your copies and do you fully understand that there's there's so much to this cybersecurity world of protecting yourself that sometimes people just go i'm scared and they just don't want to think about it um so ransomware can be crippling for your business because well a a let's look at the worst case you don't have any backups of that it's ransomware uh you, you have to pay them and you might get your data back. But then again, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Um, B, uh, you, you um, don't pay them because you have a backup somewhere. Okay, but you have to restore backup. Oh, the last time you did a backup was last week. Oh, you lost all that new customer data. It, it, it's scary. It's just terrifying. So we're not the first people to sit here. I'm not sitting here and saying, oh, yeah, well, we solved ransomware no 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 if anyone tells you that they have the silver bullet to solve any cybersecurity issue you should laugh at them because it's it's an ongoing battle at all times it's it's the new war front of of humanity really in a way and uh what we wanted to do with snapshield and i'll get into what it is eventually but i'll stick with the philosophy first what we wanted to do with ransomware was do what we could as a storage provider to help um just to help, I guess. I could just end there. It's just like, what can we do to contribute? Like every week you hear about someone else. I think last week, MGM Grand down in Vegas, they got got. That shut a bunch of stuff down. Um, so what could we do as storage server to help add on and, and, and reduce those fears? So we built SnapShield. And what SnapShield is, is it's a behavioral analysis software. And follow me with behavioral analysis. We're not really watching the behavior of humans. We're watching the behavior of the workload on the server, meaning that when ransomware, so this software would run on a 45 drives product and it lives on the server, it sits there, it watches, it, it gives a, if you will, it just sniffs all the, all the traffic coming in and out. And we're able to detect distinct behaviors of ransomware. We have a dedicated lab set up here of all a litany of all the major players in the game, um, lock bits, all those ones. And we were able to find a common pattern. There's a pretty clear contrast of ransomware, like IO workloads compared to regular day workloads that our software is able to see something abnormal, go, oh, this is not good. Sever the connection from that one workstation that may have been infected and cut them off from the rest of the network. So effectively, what you do at that time is if you do get infected, the server is able to see it happen, kick that person off, and it turns what could be a crippling, we have to shut the whole network down for a few days, to I just kick John off his computer, he calls IT, so something's up, and they go, oh, we know, you shouldn't open that email, man, and uh, they, they clean the whole mess up. So. That's what SnapShield is. It is a last line of defense. In no way am I saying that this should replace any of your current network security. All the great cybersecurity uh, tools, uh, every all the Windows Defender is awesome now. It used to suck. It's really good now. That's so uh, true. <laughs> it, it, it's really good now. Um, 
all the wonderful endpoint protection. We've got a really cool product that runs at our company called Dark Trace, and it's an AI thing, and it watches. So that's kind of like our our walled garden around the company. We've got um, uh, antivirus, like Windows Defender, all that stuff that runs on Sophos we use at one point. runs on all the workstations. And then we have SnapShield sitting on the server because if anything happens, we can shut that thing down and restore. And what it, and because someone might say right now, go, well, if you have all those layers of defense, why do you need that one? Well, if all those other layers of defense worked, why are we still hearing about ransomware? So it's just another layer of like, why not another layer of protection? Why not? Why not? So that's, that's what Snapshot is. That's why we built it. And uh, we're just trying to do our part in, um, in, in trying to keep people's data safe. No, I think it's great. Uh, often, you know, in a world where people sign up to things and then save most of their files on a cloud storage from whether it's Google Drive or Dropbox, they, you know, iCloud, they just don't think about it anymore. They, they're like, oh, I'll just, great. And for consumers, I guess, what data do they really have? I think the, the perfect analogy for them would be uh, you click the link on Facebook or something and now they take over your Facebook account. Oh, you yeah. want it back? Good luck. Let's talk about what that looks like. Send me some money, right? Very similar, except for a business. Now you just signed a new client. Things are going great. You're logging in. You're ready to go. And all of a sudden you realize we don't have any of the files anymore, right? That's what you're saying. And if yeah. you want those files maybe I'll think about giving them back to you and maybe you can keep up the work that you just invested. Who knows how many countless hours on from your own resources of your team and what have you, maybe, right? If you can get, even get a hold of them, sometimes some people just do it for the lulls as they say, right? And they'll exactly. just lock you out just because uh, more often yeah. than not, these people don't care about money. They just don't like people for whatever reason online. Mm -hmm. uh, and because you left yourself uh, open to being exploited. That's the whole point to them sometimes. And so speaking to what you, uh, the point you made about, um, I really loved it when, uh, when you brought it up was, oh, you have all these other lines of defenses. Why also include SnapShield? And without getting too much into InfoSec, because I don't know that much of it, but I do know that there's nothing worse than having a single point of failure. Right? <laughs> and the more places you can cover your ground, the better. And to know that a company that is offering a service like that takes the the same amount of precautions, if not more than others, because of what they're providing as a service. I mentioned, again, leadership, leading by example, mm -hmm. right? And then developing something to help that and keeping your eye on the fact that there are, um, there are uh, machine learning technologies now that are also trying to help make that even more possible. Because as we continue to grow in this direction, like you said, I think there will be a time where technology has reached a level where consumers really might consider, because we're talking about large language models and things of that nature, right? Uh, computers used to be these large things that would sit in a building for just one mm -hmm. computer, right? And now we're yep. moving, we're potentially, and this is just my hypothesis, uh, you know, as a, as a R&D guy, I'm, I, would, we can have this discussion. We may have to have servers in our homes to run large language models that create this Internet of Things, uh, you know, sort of experience. This is where I see things going, you know. You're exactly right. Um, and sorry to just jump in there because you just reminded me of that one of, uh, uh, back to the home lab thing real quick. Someone posted on our forum in there uh, before we, we fully launched and they said, uh, my wife is a, I think it was brain. Yeah, they did studies in the brain. and. Uh, their their compute environment at work is 
slow, old, and over, just over, oversubscribed, if you will. There's just, it's hard to get time in there. So between her and three other colleagues, they wanted to buy three of these home lab servers and just set up their own compute environment at home because they need the stores and they, and they're going to put their own stuff in it. And they were just like, I love that this is an option. Like we, we're now going to have our own little mini computer at home. Like we all work remotely. And so exactly what you just said, it's happening. It's happening. And that's where we're at with the world now is you don't need a big enterprise to give you the answer. You, you can build the building blocks yourself. Um, you, it, it's, it's awesome. It's crazy where we're going to go. It's, it's really exciting. Yeah, no, I, I see, I see the vision and I, th- I think that the decisions you're making are timely as a company. Uh, it's really exciting to know that, uh, your values as a company, your philosophy, and I'm glad that you leaned on that because that's just as relevant is this idea of integrity, uh, privacy, leadership, nothing to argue about right there. In fact, those who know, know this is a big deal. Uh, yeah. so, so with that said, man, as we begin to close things out in the interest of time, is there anything else you want to tell the listener? Otherwise, I would invite you to tell them where you want them to go, whether it's the website, a social media page, what have you. Okay, perfect. I do have a couple of things. My marketing team would be very upset with me if I didn't close the SnapShield pitch with... Uh, it's, it's easy to hear everyone tell you about magic software that stops scary things from happening, but it's a lot more fun to see it. Uh, if you ever want to see a live demo of SnapShield, let us know. Reach out to us at 45 Drives, info at 45 Drives, call us on the number. You can find us on Google. But what we do is uh, we'll hold, sometimes we hold public ones, but we'll always book private ones if you want to see. Uh, you remote in and we, we do a demo in our ransomware lab of we, we unleash real ransomware lockbit on a, um, on a live environment and we show you how fast it cuts it out and, and kills it. So, uh, uh, that one's, it's, it's really fun. I remember when we first like, yeah, let's do live demos. And we're all like, Ooh, <laughs> that's kind of scary, but, uh, they work. And that's the best way to show it because if you're going to sell insurance to someone, isn't it awesome that you could show it working? <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to get that out there and, um, yeah, no, I, I that I think that's that's just about everything I wanted to hit. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a fun. It's a really fun place to work. It's a fun place to be able to have these conversations with people like you. Thank you for giving us the platform to talk. And this is the kind of stuff that gets me excited and wanting to come to work. Uh, like I said, I like to solve puzzles. I like to win. I, I play sports. I, I love like there's nothing more fun than just getting a good win, being in the dressing room after with the team and just celebrating. Right. So uh, if, if, if we can live through these idealistic philosophies that I just said and we can succeed at it, my God, that feels good. And that's stuff that gets me going each day. So, yeah, um, yeah that's I think that's uh, everything I wanted to say. All right, man. Uh- the the people I talk to on this show, they are that new enterprise quite often, right? Coming back to what I said earlier, bringing a full circle. And 100% of the time, whatever you think you're doing for the security of your data, you're not doing enough, just generally speaking. So being able to talk to you at length about what you're doing, your vision, your philosophy, the way you operate, and the things that you're working on and moving towards... I hope that the people who have been following the show so far see this as an opportunity to consider where they're standing with their own tech stack, you know, in terms of hardware and what they're looking at. And, uh, if not taking a look at what the future of, of uh, having data, database servers locally is going to look like, right? Uh, I think 45 drives is doing exactly what people need, especially the people that are 
usually on this show. So my hope is that they hear this, they see that, and now they know that. Uh, so with that said, uh, Brett, man, thank you so much for stopping by. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Philip. Thank you so much. And I, and I will say if, if you have any interest in talking to 45 drives on solving an existing storage infrastructure problem you have a new one you have coming out if you want some consulting on anything like that you can reach us at info at 45 drives google us our, our numbers there leave comments on the youtube there's a there's a lot of different ways you can find us anyway we're, we're excited to talk to anyone who wants to come talk to us